Hi, and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I'm Edward Lugo, the project manager for the Servants. And today, Father John Ignatius and Father Paul Koska, uh, the co-founders of the Servants, are here to talk about the Word of God and the application of Scripture in the life of your community. Welcome back to your podcast. Thank you. So today we are talking about the Word of God. I think that because this is a topic that is not explicitly about your community, it would be appropriate to explain for listeners why we're devoting an entire podcast to this topic. So would either one of you like to jump in? And obviously we'll kind of flush this out as we go along, but just a brief overview of why scripture is so important to your community. I would say first and foremost that scripture is foundational to the community because scripture itself was foundational the night that the community uh, began uh, Philippians 2 6 which was talked about in the founding the community was a foundational text for our community and even the name of our community being the servants of Christ Jesus is directly out of Philippians Father John and I's names are biblical names um, and so really almost everything sort of at the essence of the community comes from the word of God when we're referred to in like in just normal conversations people call us the servants you know they don't call us the father John Ignatians or like you know the Paulist uh, not referring to us per se but of something of the word of God from the word of God and so I think there's something beautiful about that that we're known not out of our own names but out of something that's directly from scripture and so that would be kind of a foundational reason why we'd be talking about the Word of God today. So like most Catholic things, the Word of God is the foundation of your community. It's also the foundation of every sacrament, every liturgy in the church, um, and even you know every religious community already prays the Word of God in Mass in the Liturgy of the Hours. How is the Word of God particularly prominent or especially emphasized in the servants of Christ Jesus. Um, We are blessed as Roman Catholics to be immersed in the word of God, as you said, through um, every liturgy, through the the celebration of every sacrament. But um, sometimes you can miss the forest for the trees, um, and you can be hearing the word of God but not hear God. Um, You just hear words. And and perhaps because my uh, conversion happened in association with reading um, sacred scripture in the presence of another Christian and praying from sacred scripture in the presence of uh, another Christian in a non-liturgical context and encountering God in a deep, profound, personal way. It seems to me that uh, God wants to feed his people not just through um, a public proclamation to a one-size-fits-all, this message or this word from mass is supposed to hit everybody at the same time, but that a particular word is for a particular individual at a particular time. And I think this is manifested in the lives of the saints, St. Anthony of the Desert, um, with the call of the rich young man applying it directly to himself, St. Francis of Assisi hearing the uh, call to to the disciples to take nothing with them and uh, proclaim peace. I believe in Luke chapter 10, and applying it directly to himself and wanting to him wanting to live that directly out. And so um, it's important, obviously, for us as Roman Catholics 
to continue to be fed in sacramental life, to be fed in liturgical life by the Word of God. But it's also very important as servants of Christ Jesus that um, each of us individually, personally, is pursuing, going after God who wants to speak to us um, in many, many ways, but particularly and in a most um, gracious and divine way through, uh, through the Holy Bible. And so um, it is the gift and the responsibility of every servant to be seeking God and listening to his voice in the scriptures in a daily basis in their own personal holy hour. Um, when we do ministry, we frequently have the word of God in our hand. We are um, expected to incorporate the sacred scriptures not only in our preaching at masses, but in our preaching of retreats. Um, in our spiritual direction, we are frequently, if not universally, pointing our directees to scripture that is um, suited for them, that is applicable to them, that will draw out um, their own conversation with the Lord and, um, and invite them to a more challenging um, life of fidelity and integrity and, and discipleship. So uh, just as the apostles were fed the scriptures through Jesus, um, just as the Gospels quote the Old Testament, just as saints quote Jesus and the whole of the Bible, um, so servants of Christ Jesus want to live in that saintly tradition of certainly participating in the public life of the proclamation of the Word of God, uh, but also to be nourished by study and by prayer in their, um, in their mastery of the Word of God and their submission to God through His, uh, through his divine Word. All right, so you uh, talked a lot about Scripture in, in personal prayer. Can you guys explain that a little bit more? Like, how is sacred Scripture a part of each man's personal prayer, uh, kind of daily, annually, whatever you want to explain? So first, I would say with the daily prayer life, there's a general practice of uh, having the scriptures be a regular part of our holy hour. And so just for myself, for example, you know, I usually will take at a minimum something from the Old Testament, and then I'm usually uh, consistently reading through a particular gospel. And so there's just a regularity to in every holy hour, which is every day. Um, yeah, regularity of the Old Testament and the New Testament being a daily part of my own personal prayer life. And then going back a little bit to what Father John was talking about with the community, a really practical way that we try to emphasize the Word of God is we, at Office of Readings, we pause as a community. We each reflect upon uh, with Alexa Divina, something that sticks out to us from the Word of God. And that's not something that the church requires of us, but it's something that we found by pausing. Because you can go through the liturgy hours and just recite it very quickly and not necessarily ingest it, if you will. And so we try uh, by pausing, reflecting on uh, the first reading or something from the Psalms to have an extra time to meditate and focus on the word of God. So I'd say that's a really concrete way that we do it on a daily basis, uh, which is not required by the church, but something that we have found that's fruitful for us. On an annual basis, um, I think we've already had a podcast on the spiritual exercises. And, uh, um, and so the eight day spiritual exercises, uh, four or five hours a day, a servant of Christ Jesus will be, entering into and contemplating 
a passage from the gospel uh, that his life with Jesus would grow deeper and more intimate, uh, more rooted and more grounded in Jesus himself. And so four or five hours a day during the spiritual exercises, a man will be um, spending those hours um, almost entirely in a gospel passage. Um, Also, as a part of our formation, the acquaintance with the Bible, a biblical literacy um, with the, the covenantal salvation history, but not just the overarching history, but the particular characters and the particular locations and the particular geography. And so there's a biblical literacy that um, is foundational to our initial formation in Nevishit, um, where men um, who may, um, may be comfortable with the Bible are uh, challenged to become more knowledgeable of the, uh, of the people and the places and the dates and the times and the, and the empires and the, uh, and the sequence, you know, leading up to and culminating, of course, in the new covenant established by Jesus in the New Testament. And so, so there's a biblical literacy at the beginning. There's the annual spiritual exercises. There's the daily holy hour where scripture is expected and standard for our reflection. Um, as Father Paul has already said, there's, a, um, there's an articulation of what is standing out to us in the Word of God during office of readings. Um, it's expected that each priest, in preparation for his preaching, spend an hour in um, reflecting on, meditating, and preparing to preach on the Word of God at Mass. And lay people have been very appreciative of the intentionality that we have in um, reflecting on and applying the Word of God um, in our preaching. And then uh, I guess I would also say, you know, at, e- at uh, morning, um, we, uh, we're, we're doing reading a table, not usually from Scripture. It's usually Lives of Saints. But at the end of breakfast, we do a recited prayer that changes kind of on a monthly basis or a seasonal basis, but it's always a recitation of a prayer from Scripture, uh, most frequently a psalm, but also different canticles or different excerpts uh, from different parts of Scripture. We're reciting it um, in a voluntary, personal way at the, end of, uh, at the end of breakfast. So by the recitation of it, by the study of it, by the contemplation of it in the spiritual exercises, by our personal Lexio Divina um, in Holy Hour, by our communal Lexio out loud, at Office of Readings, we are continuing to um, speak, ingest, articulate, and apply uh, the Word of God in our um, in our daily lives. So a couple of questions about what you just said. First, the biblical literacy of novitiate or in novitiate, how does that take place? Do they like do they have a class in seminary? Like, wh- how do they learn this? Um, it is a standard class three to four days a week during novitiate, um, during the school year that I teach based on a class. I taught at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Dr. Alan Schreck came to me after my master's degree at Steubenville and asked me to teach an intro to scripture class. And over the course of 14 or 15 weeks, I was supposed to cover from Genesis to Revelation as much of the salvation history as I could reasonably um, put in there. Fortunately, a novitiate is longer than one semester, so we can um, spread it out and go a little bit deeper. But it's still a basic biblical literacy class where there are basically identifications and questions uh, assigned to help the, help the novice pay attention to the most significant parts of the scripture. There are daily quizzes, you know, um, to bring start bringing some accountability to the remembering of the persons and places and and uh, concepts and teachings of Scripture. Um, so it's really important that we uh, that we become biblically literate, and then from that biblical literacy, basic foundational class, um, uh, seminary theology will be built with its more in depth exegesis of different parts of sacred Scripture. 
And do they memorize every book of the Bible, at mm. least the names? Uh, oh, well, they memorize many things, including the, uh, the, the, the canon of Scripture, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through Revelation. They memorize the, uh, the, the 12 sons of Israel, which are the names of the 12 tribes. They memorize the 12 apostles. Uh, they'll uh, memorize uh, um, geography and maps. They'll memorize um, the, family, uh, the family tree, the genealogy of Abraham, so that they can see the relationships between uh, between Abraham and Nahor's family, and then uh, between Jacob and Rachel and Leah, and th- there's a whole set of names that we're used to. Even Moab and Ammon um, are related, and we're used to think of thinking of those as geographical locations. But there's also the Moabites and the A- um, Ammonites and the Edomites, who are all relatives of the Israelites. They're all relatives of cousins of one kind or another in the Middle East. And seeing that just helps them to not just hear different names, but see the unity of the relationships and the, uh, the providential unfolding of God's plan, not just spiritually speaking, but um, uh, familially speaking and also geographically speaking, that it happens in real time with real people who are really related and sometimes get along and sometimes don't get along with each other. And and Father John was just talking about the providential, you know, plan of God in Scripture. And I think, you know, for our community, the time in which we came into existence in the life of the church, there was a re-emphasis on the Word of God, which is the reason why there's a a particular emphasis in our own community. Um, So Vatican II talks about Dei Verbum and the Word of God in the life of the church. Pope Benedict had a whole like year dedicated to the word of God and the life of the church. And so for us as a community, this emphasis and taking time and formations, not just, you know, a nice idea, you know, disconnected from the life of the church, but it's something that the church herself has asked us to, as, as a church body to focus on. Um, and so I think the renewal in the word of God that's happened in our own community is, is something connected with the larger life of the church and the re-emphasis on the word uh, that's taken place. So. And I saw this at Franciscan University of Steubenville in household life, uh, Lord's Day after Lord's Day after Lord's Day, Saturday evening after Saturday evening, where um, young adult uh, um, undergraduate um, students were without priests or professors present, opening up the word of God, I'm wrestling with it, talking about it, applying it, and moving into prayer based upon it. And uh, focus, uh, focus's success is certainly based on missionary apostolic generosity, but I think um, everybody from Curtis Martin on down would give credit to the power of the Word of God, that when the Word of God is opened in those focus Bible studies, young adults come home to a God who loves them, a God who knows them, not just in a general way, but a particular way. And so focus... NET, SPO, uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville, where renewal and revival is happening. It's happening because people are opening up the Word of God on a regular basis themselves and inquiring and listening and speaking about it. There are so many um, you know, Bible studies available in the church. In our own experience, Patriarch has been part of that renewal and masculine spirituality and fatherly leadership where men gather around the Word of God and um, humbly and zealously, but expectantly, they expect God to have something to say to their lives here and now. 
And when we come with that desire, that humility, and that expectation in a prayerful way, submitted to the Holy Spirit, and in union with the church, um, we can we can um, hear God and hear God calling us from where we are, which is a good place, to an even better place, a, a more virtuous place, a more holy place, um, if we'll receive that grace and, and respond with generosity. Now, how do you guys incorporate Scripture into the rest of your ministry? And not just in a presentation level, but in a kind of direct putting the Word of God in people's hands and eliciting that grassroots reading of the Word of God rather than just priests presenting and providing the Word of God to the people you minister to. So one of the things that I experienced at at Franciscan was prayer ministry or being prayed over. And um, and so back at Franciscan, that was something uh, that I experienced for myself of receiving people praying for me. And sometimes in those uh, times of being prayed over, it was the word of God was offered to me to pray with a particular verse or uh, to read something for myself. And so based on that experience uh, being at Franciscan, that was something I have striven to integrate into my own ministry. So I remember on a retreat uh, with a campus ministry retreat at Matchbuff probably in 2007 or 2008 now, uh, encouraging somebody who wanted a living relationship with Jesus to open up the Word of God. And I think it was John chapter 14, which I think I stole from Father John, uh, to inviting that person uh, to pray with the scriptures and to read those words of Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And then asking that person to reflect upon, you know, what does that mean to you? I mean, so... It was really just, like you're saying, different than just somebody reading something in, at a podium, but actually the person themselves reading that passage and asking themselves in the moment, how is the Lord speaking to me? And so that's something that's been present, basically, that I stole from Father John. How is the Lord speaking to me is a question that is alive in us on a daily basis. And we wish, we desire, we hunger for other people to be asking that same question. What does this mean to me? And so, um, and, and what is God and what does God mean in this word to me? What is God communicating to me? So it is typical for me, if not universal, when I'm going on a retreat, are, have they been asked to bring their Bibles or are we supplying the Bibles? You know, um, because in presentations, um, inevitably, we were going we're to want people to not just hear the Word of God, but to open up their Bibles and to read it for themselves. And in, uh, um, and in uh, many presentations and many retreats, we're going to ask them to take a scripture that we're preaching on to read it for themselves and then either comment in the big group or even pair up and share what it means to them um, with somebody else and then, and then pick up the presentation from there. Um, and so um, reading the Word of God um, um, either quietly or out loud during our presentations where we're putting the Word of God into the hands of people so that they can read it themselves. Um, prayer exercises during retreats where they are doing um, small group Lexio or um, Lexio with another person. Um, silent spiritual exercises or silent prayer where we're recommending a scripture passage for somebody and leading them through either some kind of meditation or some kind of imaginative contemplation of that scripture passage. And we've already mentioned spiritual direction where we're kind of like 
coming up with a prescription, if you will. Here's a prescription for where you are, you know, and what might be helpful, um, you know, whether it's from something, something in the prophets or the Psalms or an epistle or a gospel, and for people to work through it in their personal prayer time themselves. Um, and then prayer ministry, as Father Paul said, where we have the word of God, not only for us to declare into somebody else's life, but would it be better for them to read it for themselves? And, and sometimes God will give me a scripture passage, either for personal prayer for somebody else or for prayer ministry. And I believe I know what it might say to them. And they read it and God has something else for them in that passage, you know. So God's kind of let me propose it, but he says, but the Lord says, let me tell them what I want them to hear, you know, here um, in the scripture. And so, uh, so I can't imagine preaching or teaching or doing spiritual direction without a Bible you know, at hand and not just at my hand, but at the hands of those um, who are um, um, who are being who are being led and mentored into um, a relationship with God through his word, which is meant not just for everybody and all of y'all, but for each and every one, each and every one, every individual that we do ministry with. And I think the internal experience that happens is that the word of God becomes living and effective and sharper than a two-edged sword in their own life, you know? And so the word of God can overcome the power of sin in someone's life. The word of God can break the power of temptation. Uh, the word of God can break, uh, the power of despair in someone's life. Um, and so when they might've been trying on their own to overcome those things, but when they allow the word of God, to speak and to dialogue, if you will, with whatever's going on, then the word of God can transform in a way that's just different than me thinking I want to be rid of this or I want to be done with this sin. It's allowing the word of God to break through. And it's really important, as we said in the Spiritual Direction podcast, that um, people come to us for direction but we're really seeking for them to come to God for direction uh, more habitually than coming to us and expect God to speak more into their lives than we do. So, uh, so as Father Paul was just saying, you know, they might have their own words and they might have their own desires or wishes or convictions. And sometimes they'll lean on ours because they, we have strong convictions. But what we want them to do is be able to, um, over time, learn that they can turn to the Lord and the Lord's word. And the Lord's word is stronger than Father John or Father Paul's preaching or spiritual direction. Um, God's word is stronger. And, and even if they experience like darkness is bigger than they are, the enemy is bigger than they are. God's word is bigger than the darkness. God's word is bigger than their enemy. Um, God's word is bigger than anything. It's going to bring them to heaven if they'll let it. So, uh, so yeah, so, so kind of transferring, if you will, um, a certain kind of hunger for wisdom from us as preachers or directors to a hunger for wisdom from on high, a wisdom from the word of God that will save them long beyond the retreat, long beyond the spiritual direction appointment, or even long beyond the season, you know, that we might be part of their lives. So it really is seeking to disciple people into being disciples of God's word and not just, you know, words of the servants of Christ Jesus. Now, speaking of this discipling, and even in your own lives, I'm wondering, do you guys have any personal stories or testimonies about how Scripture has either changed your own life or the lives of people that you've ministered to? Um, as I noted earlier, um, it was my conversion when I was 16 in, a, uh, in Amsterdam, of all places, where the Word of God was placed in my hands. 
just said, hey, what, well, what do you think Jesus means here? And I recognized Jesus. I saw Jesus. I heard Jesus. I responded to Jesus with a prayer of humility, confession, and invitation. And because I experienced something I had never experienced before in terms of God's presence, God's power, God's spirit, uh, God's overwhelming light and freedom in that experience, which um, transcended anything I could have come up with, I knew that God was bigger than I was. God loved me more than I ever imagined. And this scripture, this word of God from the gospel was the means by which God reached me. And, um, and, and I, I think back of, you know, St. Augustine, who, you know, that he heard this rhyme, take and read, tole lege, take and read. And he read, if I'm not mistaken, something from Romans that, that convicted him and brought him to kind of his knees, but also to the glory uh, that God was offering to him. And so in my own life, that scripture, every time I go through the exercises, there's some scripture. Uh, Psalm 63 was the first um, scripture that I ever memorized, and it's a, it's a psalm of desire and longing and hungering and thirsting and fainting and pining for God. And I think that fundamental kind of like um, hunger for God and hunger for God in any way that God wants to reach me. But Psalm 60, 63 is a manifestation of the word of God. And, um, and I didn't realize, you know, when I was memorizing that scripture back around 1990, I think it was, you know, how hungry I was to have the word of God more and more inside my life. Um, and I'm reminded of a passage from, uh, from the book of the prophet Amos, who uh, talks about a famine for the word of God, that God will inflict his people with a hungering, um, not for food or for drink, and not a famine of, not of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Um, and they will seek the word of the Lord. They shall run back and forth looking for it. And I didn't realize that I had that famine until I started praying the word, reading the word, I'm doing spiritual exercises in the word. And so, um, so yeah, in a very profound way, scripture changed my life. And then um, what's, what's coming to mind right now are people that have made the spiritual exercises, people that I've put in prayer ministry, the word of God into their hands and, and uh, healing happens or tears happen, or also, you know, freedom from darkness also happening where people are just jolted by God's promises and, uh, and they're arrested by their, uh, by their humility before God and God um, overcoming something in their lives because that word of God just confronts them and, uh, and convicts them that, that uh, God's got them, that God is bigger, and that God has more for them than what in their smallness uh, they didn't believe was actually possible um, suddenly becomes possible because God is with them. And I would say for, for myself, connected with what Father John was just talking about, I remember at the beginning of my 30-day, I could think I had it in my head because uh, I didn't really know what I was doing, uh, that you know I didn't necessarily need the, the first week, uh, which is the the week of purification and focusing on being purified from sin and meditating on hell. And at the end of the first direction appointment, you know, Father John gave me a passage from Exodus and I went and prayed with that. And the part that stuck out to me was when the Lord says to Moses to take off his sandals for standing on holy ground. And it was out of that reading of that piece of the word of God that I realized that was what the Lord was calling me to do. 
in that first week. And so it wasn't like Father John forced me to do the first <laughs> week, you know, which is a challenging part of the spiritual exercises, but it was precisely an invitation from the word of God that called me, you know, personally to take off my sandals and to let the Lord purify me. That wasn't necessarily like a standard scripture passage that I would think to myself that would be, <laughs> a, you know, a point of conversion, but that was, you know, mm. how the Lord worked in a mysterious way through the scriptures. And Father Paul's already mentioned the founding of the community. I don't remember the sequence, if it was, uh, our, but I believe it was our prayer upstairs um, in Trinity Hall before we went to the chapel where uh, Father Paul's image was that the Lord was calling us, the three of us, we didn't know what we were doing, we didn't know how to proceed, that the Lord was calling us to leave our boats and our nets behind and to uh, come to him across the water. And we just recognized, I recognized in, in, in Matthew 14, kind of that invitation to do what we'd never done before, which was impossible for men and only possible with God, to kind of uh, step forth in humble courage, uh, completely putting ourselves on the line for God. Father Paul didn't open up to Matthew 14 at the time. He was relating the story that was familiar to all of us. And then when we stepped downstairs, unbeknownst to the three of us, I started praying out loud, uh, though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. And as I went through that, uh, Thomas and Matthew were, were smiling and, and laughing a little bit because God had already given them that passage, and now I was kind of catching up to them, you know, and in a, uh, a praying this passage out loud in front of the sacrament in Trinity Hall Chapel. So I just think of like consoling places, you know, and consoling times which happens, you know, frequently during the course of a week, during the course of a month, during the course of a year, that God will gently or forcefully um, bring a scripture or bring a story from scripture to, um, uh, to help either encourage and confirm wh where we're already going or to gently or firmly redirect, you know, to a, uh, uh, to a new threshold, a new season, a new opportunity that God himself wants to provide for us. Excellent. So we've talked a lot about scripture and people's lives, and I'm wondering uh, for you guys, do you have any favorite scripture verses or scripture stories that you kind of return to frequently? In um, John's gospel, Jesus, um, well, in all the gospels, Jesus speaks in his word about the word, and those happen to be some of my favorite passages. Um, one of Jesus's very first words in Matthew's gospel is an answer to an en the enemy's challenge. The enemy challenges out in the desert, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread, you know. And Jesus, uh, quoting Deuteronomy, you know, his first line in Matthew chapter 4 is Matthew 4, 4. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that admonition to the enemy is God's word about God's word. Um, from Deuteronomy, recited by Jesus in the face of the enemy, and it puts the enemy to flight, at least temporarily. Um, the enemy changes the subject. And so the temptation is overcome precisely by the execution of the word, the declaration of the word. And it also reveals that we are more reliant as human beings who are destined for immortality on God's word than we are on food. And in a very real way, our lives as human beings have to be more founded on the word of God than where our next meal is coming from. 
um, because we're destined for immortality. This body is going to pass. That's not to say that food is in an absolute way not important. It surely is important. But more important to soul and spirit is God's word on a daily basis. So Matthew 4, 4 is kind of like a convicting thing, but but uh, John 8, 31 to 32 is kind of a, is a promise of Jesus. And uh, what Jesus says there is, if you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, if you remain in my word. And, and there's just an invitation there, a proposal there and a promise there. If you want to be Jesus's disciple, remain in his word. If you want to know the truth, and there are so many falsehoods out there, there are so many distortions out there, there are so many deceptions out there, there are so, there's, there's so much fake news out there um, that uh, if I want to know the truth, I need to remain in the word to recognize when people are speaking truth and speaking exaggeration and speaking fishy and shady things. You know, If I want to be a disciple, if I want to know the truth, and if I want to be free, um, the, the truth will set you free. And it's really, I've, if I've based my life on any promise of Jesus, I think I've based it on this, that if I can help somebody else to remain in the word, they will experience more freedom than they will by, their, by themselves, whether it's freedom from past trauma or freedom from temptation or freedom from the weight of past sin. Um, and not just forgiveness, but healing from past sin, that God has more freedom from people, and it is not from Father John Ignatius, and it is not from their own, you know, just natural recovery or natural exercise of virtue. It's remaining in the Word day in and day out to be sustained and fortified and strengthened in a way that they could never do by themselves. Uh, so I would just begin with Matthew 4, 4, and John 8, 31 to 32 is my favorite verses. And for me, Psalm 27 is... Uh a verse or a, a psalm that I love a lot, especially the first verse, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And a little bit later on uh, in that same psalm, one thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. And, um, and going back to that 30 day experience of, this, this image of the Lord being light and that the Lord is my salvation uh, in the midst of whatever's going on, I can turn my eyes to the Lord. And so Psalm 27, even though it's not something I necessarily share about all the time, I, I think it's something that's been like a constant um, in my life as, as a kind of foundational scripture for me. All right. Well, to wrap up, just one last question. If somebody listening wants to get started with reading or praying or diving into the word, what would you say to them? What, how, what, what direction would you give them? Hmm. I believe I would probably have them begin with a gospel because Jesus is the word made flesh. Um, and John's gospel is um, beautiful and deep and profound. And Mark's gospel is um, rather uh uh, simple, easy to understand, and straightforward. So um, for those that are of a kind of a poetic mindset and hungry and thirsty for like um, word and meaning and heights of, you know, theological, uh, 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 theological perspective on Jesus, I would recommend John for just getting like the, uh, the down-to-earth nitty-gritty narrative of Jesus's life. I would recommend Mark's gospel. 
And then, uh, you know, there are some beautiful Psalms from about Psalm 23 to about Psalm 51 that if somebody wanted to move into like David's prayers, David's prayers to God, David's reflections on faith and on God, the Psalms are a beautiful collection of Davidic prayers of this man who was a shepherd, this man who was a soldier, this man who was a poet and a musician. And reading those prayers, even if you don't get some of them, there's always a line or two. It's like, ah, I recognize joy or I recognize sorrow. I recognize passion and desire. Oh, I recognize fear. Um, I recognize need. I recognize fulfillment, you know? And so so, uh, David prays from the mind and from the heart in beautiful ways. And from Psalm 23 to about 51, there's some, I mean, all the Psalms are beautiful, but that section in particular, or either of the two gospels that I mentioned. And I would just echo the Psalms and the gospels with the idea of if you begin somewhere, right, if you begin with a gospel and you just work your way through a gospel or you begin with the Psalms and work your way w- with some Psalms, that you'll start to get in a groove and then it just be become a natural part of your life. But it can feel like at the beginning, the the Bible can look like a marathon when actually all you have to do is just start running a little bit and you just have to start reading a little bit and then you'll be able in the end to complete the marathon but you just have to start with the begin- with the word of god and then you'll be able to make progress as you go well thank you guys for uh basing your community and your lives on scripture and thank you for sharing with me and with others about the word of god and how it is lived out in the servants of Christ Jesus Anything else you guys want to add before we close? Uh, The kingdom of God is at hand. Um, To God be the glory. Well, that is it for today. As always, you can learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, and you can find podcast episodes as well as homilies and talks from the Servants at scjesus.org. Thank you to the two of you for joining me today. God bless you, Ed, and God bless all of our listeners. Thank you.